Good morning, everybody. My name is Doug. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a great privilege uh, to be with you guys and with you guys on live stream watching us. Wherever you are, you're welcome too. So it's great to be with you. So start of the year, like Thomas said, we are kind of answering the question, okay, what is Parkview? Like, what's our mission? What's our plan here? Like, if you're new, I would love to meet you after this service. And you might ask, like, okay, if I started coming to this church, like, what What's your plan? Like, what are you hoping would happen for me? And so what I would hope would happen for all of us this year is that we would become more and more like Jesus Christ. Like the way we treat other people, the way we follow God, the way we trust God, that, you know, there's a big gap right now between Jesus and us, right? But Jesus loves people like us. He's merciful, and he loves to walk with us and make us more and more like him. So, so then if you were to ask, well, then what's your plan? How are you going to make that happen? That's where this gather, grow go comes from because if you look at when Jesus was on the planet working with people and helping people find who he is and follow him this seemed to be the plan that he used in fact we kind of use what he said in Mark chapter 3 verses 13 to 15 to kind of be a template for us okay so so it says there that Jesus went up on the mountain and he called those to him uh, who he desired and they came to him and he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. So kind of see his plan there, that they would come to him, that they would be with him, then they would go out for him. So we say we want to gather to worship him, then we want to grow in Christ-likeness. We do that in our community groups and our equipping classes that Thomas talked about. We want to grow. But then here's the third piece that we're talking about today, is that we want to be a people who go. And that's an important part of this strategy. Gather, grow, go, and you need all three. And you see, as you read through the whole Bible, that, that our God is a God who loves to send his people. In fact, his plan, you can go clear back in the book of Genesis, his plan was to bless his people and that through them all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And so what's a really cool part of being a follower of Jesus is that it's not just for you. It's not that he just is going to bless you, but he would love to take your life and the things that he's pouring into you and then have those go into the lives of people around you. And as you're going to see, this will kind of stagger you a little bit, but literally to the ends of the earth. Like what, what God is doing in your life can impact people all over the world. That's God's plan. It's a big one, right? And so, so I'm excited that we get to talk about this piece called going. In fact, if you've been around me for a while, you've seen me use the analogy of a baton, like a track baton that one runner, runner would hand to another. Um, when Jesus gathered that original group together we just read about in Mark chapter 3, he poured himself into them, he taught them, he trained them, but then he died on the cross, rose again from the dead, and we're going to, this is the part of the Bible we're going to look at this morning. He spent 40 days with them after his resurrection, and then he ascended into heaven. But before he went, he gave them this commission, this, this opportunity to go and to, to spread the gospel, okay? And so it's like the, the baton here represents uh, those of us this morning that know God through Jesus, like you understand the gospel, um, and if you don't, my prayer is like, you just keep joining us and talking to people until you understand what I mean by the gospel, that God uh, has forgiven your sins through Jesus. He wants to give you new life. So, but if you understand the gospel, it's like that's, that's a baton that God has given you. And as a going people, what God has wired you to do then and what he's encouraging you to do is then to go on and pass that baton, to pass it 
to others. And when you've heard me use this analogy before, uh, the baton you hold, like this faith in Jesus, I can encourage you to look back. Like, who, who handed that to you? Who told you about Jesus so that now you hold it? And then it's, it's fun to think about, like, well, who handed it to, to that person? Or who, and then who handed it to that person? And, and you could, you know, it'd be interesting to trace that for all of us. Like if you go all the way back to this person told that person told that person, and then now you have the gospel. But eventually that would track all the way back to Jesus and this original group of people that he said, hey, here's the gospel. Now, now go and share this. So we have been blessed by this whole go piece. And what you're going to see this morning is that Jesus encourages us to be a people in a church that keep passing the baton. And that, that's the most fulfilling thing that you're going to be able to do with your life, is to realize that God uses broken, sinful people like us to be part of his plan to bless the nations of the world. All right? And so, so that's what we're going to look at this morning. And if you have a Bible, uh, you can turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at the first eight verses. And um, why don't you stand with me? We're going to read those out loud together. They'll be up on the screen. And let me just kind of set it up for you. The book of Acts, it's the fifth book in the New Testament. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four gospels that tell the story of Christ. The guy that wrote Luke, the gospel of Luke, also wrote the book of Acts. And so he's writing it to a friend of his named Theophilus. You're going to see that in the part we read. I just want you to know what we're reading here, okay? And so he's explaining to Theophilus, from what we know, Theophilus was a guy on the outside trying to understand, like, who is this Jesus and what is he doing and what is this gospel that the church is spreading? And so Luke, you can tell, is methodically sharing with this friend uh, Theophilus what he needs to know about Jesus and now what he needs to know about the church. So let me start reading the passage. You guys follow along. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. In the first book, O Theophilus, that was the gospel of Luke, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days, and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let me pray for us. Lord, when I read this, this is, uh, and I'm understanding what you're saying or thinking about what you're saying, this is staggering. What an amazing invitation you're giving to your people. It's also one that we clearly cannot do on our own. We need your power. And so, Father, we want to be a people and we want to be a church that go. We don't want to hoard. We don't want to just think about ourselves. We want you to use us 
to bless the nations because you have blessed us so much. So show us how to do that as a people and as a church. Thank you. In your great name we pray. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. So a little outline we'll use for this morning is we're going to look at a problem. We're going to look at the power that God provides us, and we're going to look at the plan that he has for us, okay? So the problem I see is in verse 3 here. So what he's, you know, again, Luke is writing to Theophilus. He, he's saying, hey, you know, in the gospel, Luke, this is all the stuff Jesus began to do, but now I'm going to talk to you about what Jesus continued to do through his church. And so Jesus died, he suffered, he rose again from the dead, spent 40 days with his followers. In fact, the Bible tells us there are about 500 people that Jesus spent time with in those 40 days. And then Jesus ascended up into heaven, all right? And so that's where Jesus is today. If you've wondered, what's Jesus doing today? He is in heaven at the right hand of God. And one of the things he's doing is he is praying for you. He's praying for us. Like, that's amazing. But so right before he ascended, he gave these marching orders, okay? And so, but the problem is, is that it's, uh, if you look throughout the Bible, like I said, throughout the Bible, God is ascending God. He loves to bless his people, and then through them, the nations of the earth are blessed. But if you start in the book of Genesis, and you keep tracing through the story of the Bible, it's like God's people have a, have a problem in actually doing that. Like, there, there are so many times where God would just kind of urge them and nudge them and say, hey, go, like, like share this. I'm blessing you. Remember, the plan is bless you to bless the nations. But for a variety of reasons, um, there's been a failure to launch up until this point, okay? And so what I see in verse 3 is maybe one hint at that is that, okay, just think, Jesus has already been with these people for about two and a half years. Think about the miracles you would have seen. Think about uh, walking on the water, calming the storm, and now he's come back from the dead, right? And so, but he's spending 40 days with them, giving them many convincing proofs. Like I, I, again, I would probably be just like them, right? But wouldn't you just logically look at this and go, guy resurrected from the dead, who we've seen all these other things from, he's God. He's Jesus. Let's just go, right? And so, but no, this took 40 days to, to convince, to explain. In fact, there's a parallel passage to this at the end of the gospel of Matthew, where Jesus is gathering them together, and it says that some of them were still doubting. Like right before Jesus goes to heaven, some people are like, yeah, what, who is this Jesus guy? It's like, wow, God is so patient. Like I, you know, I wonder how many times within the Trinity, if they do talk about me, there's like, when is Doug going to get this? Like what's going on? I think probably your name has been in that too, but, but we see God is merciful, God is patient. And so, but yet there is a failure to, to launch here. And I just want to dig into that for a couple minutes here. Um, there's a guy named Ed Stetzer, He's the executive director of uh, the Billy Graham Center for um, World Evangelization. It's at Wheaton College. And just read a couple things by him um, just in the last couple weeks that talk about the, the church and Christians' failure to, to go and to do what God is calling us to do. So he mentioned things like this, like there's been surveys recently where uh, they would ask a Protestant believer in Jesus, um, do you think it's a calling of a Christian to share their faith, like to share the gospel. And like it's in the 80 percentiles, like, yes, like that's what Christians should do. But then the follow-up question is like, so are you doing that? And so, and the numbers just plummet, they plummet. 
In fact, I've seen other surveys where they'll say it could be in some cases as few as 2 to 5% of Christians have actually had that privilege of helping somebody become a Christian, like receive the gospel. And so um, there's something going on here. In fact, in that research, uh, Ed Setzer found that even in the United States today, that up to 78% of the people in our country would be willing, non-believers, would be willing to hear a Christian tell their story about who Jesus is and what their faith is about. 78%. And even as you go younger in that survey, the, the likelihood was even higher. So uh, as um, Stetzer um, summarized, he talked about when Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, the worker is few. Uh, Stetzer said the harvest seems ready to listen, but the workers don't seem willing to talk. And Jesus' last words should be our first priority. And so let's dig a little deeper here. So I, I know I sense, I could sense the room going to the guilt bunker already. Okay, so I'm in there with you, okay? I'm not, nobody here's dominating this today. Okay, but let's, let me pick at the scab for a couple minutes. Like, why is this true? Like, why is it potentially that maybe you would say the same thing? Yeah, Christians should do this, but are you? Huh, you know, maybe not. Let me, just, let me just dig a little bit about why that is. I think when I talk to people and the stuff I read, I think fear is a big part of it. Like, I'm afraid, like, what if they reject me or this world seems so hostile to this? And I've heard some people say in the United States, we fear the raising of an eyebrow when there's actually Christians in the part of the world that fear the raising of a sword. Like, so, but even with as little persecution as we have here, we're still afraid uh, to stand with Christ or to stand out. Okay, so fear is one. Another one that's out there is that people don't know what to say. Like, what if I mess it up? Or what if I, I get it wrong when I'm telling somebody? So a fear of not knowing what to say. Um, this one is convicting as if the first two aren't. Okay, here's another one. Um, it could show that we really just don't love people. We don't really love, especially people different than us or people that don't believe what we believe. Like, I think it just shows we don't love them. Guys, there's a powerful quote. Maybe you've heard of the magician's uh, pen and teller. Um, so the pen, pen of that is named Pen Gillette. He's a very outspoken atheist, but he tells a story at, at, a, at a concert, at a show they did, that at the end of the show, uh, this man comes up to him, and he identifies as a Christian, and he gives him a Bible, and kind of with kind of a shy smile, he says, I guess I'm proselytizing you. And so then Pen Gillette commented on that, and he said it was really wonderful because he knew I was an atheist, but he was showing me such kindness. And listen to what he says. I don't respect people who don't proselytize. If you believe there's a heaven and a hell, and people could be going to hell and not getting eternal life, and you think that it's not really worth telling them because it would be a little socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody not to proselytize? Guys, that's coming from the lips of somebody who identifies as the other team, but I think he's nailed it. I think there's a lot of times we are not sharing our faith, we are not going, it's because we really don't care. If there's one, let me just throw one more before we'll start pulling up again here. So let me just go one more for us in the guilt bunker here. You know, I think, I think another big one for us is that we are not truly enjoying the gospel. I think what we truly enjoy we can't help by talking about. I mean, I got a big smile on my face last night when Oliver Martin, West High kid, first catch for a Hawkeyes a touchdown. Like, so happy for that guy and what he's been through. Like, 
big smile. Hawkeye, Iowa City feels happier after a win, doesn't it? So like, just like, so Hawkeye fans, I mean, they're talking about last night and all the different people that scored touchdowns and all this. So uh, things you love, you just talk about. I think over the years too, as Lori and I have worked with students and all that, like those times where like somebody will appear at our door, a couple that has been dating, and they'll, they'll knock on the door or whatever, and we open up, and they're just both beaming. And we know what that means. Oh, guess who got engaged, you know, and all this kind of stuff. So like when, when cool stuff happens, like we can't help but to just emanate that and talk about it and, and just have that, that joy. And so there's a disconnect, though, because the gospel is good news. Like, and I just wonder if we would just continually remind ourselves, preach the gospel to ourselves, that we are forgiven, that we are loved by the creator of God. He is for us. Like how much that would just liberate us to enjoy the gospel and that we would just more naturally talk about the gospel, all right? So again, here's the clear point is that we need help. You can look throughout the history of God's people. There's been a failure to launch uh, that we need help. And so uh, verse 3, you know, Jesus had to give many convincing proofs. Uh, he continues, and so he offers that help. He is merciful. He's not going to diminish this calling. For some reason, his plan for reaching the world is to do it through us. So he's not going to change his plan, but he's going to give us some help, okay? He's going to give us some power. So let me read verse 4 again. It says, while Jesus was staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And then again, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so, uh, there's a power, and he's not changing the plan, but instead he's going to empower his people. And so he said in there, like, okay, this is something I told you um, not too many days, you know, ago. And, and it's really interesting. Jesus, you know, as eager as he is for the gospel to go out, he's telling them, hold on. Like, don't go. Stay. Wait. Because you need this power. Like, don't just go launching out and trying to do this. We've seen God's people do that. That doesn't work. Let me give you some power that you're going to need. And so for the next two or three minutes, you guys, I want to give you, let's just put a label over these next two or three minutes and call them Holy Spirit 101. Okay, One, Holy Spirit 101. Like, what, what was it about the Holy Spirit that Jesus really wanted them to know? So a few, just, just a few days before this, you write down these chapters, John 14, 15, and 16. Jesus pulled his disciples together, and he told them, uh, I'm going to be leaving you. And so you can imagine there's like collective kind of panic and freaking out in the room. And so, and so, but then he taught them some things about the Holy Spirit. I'm leaving you, but I will send my spirit. So let me just bullet point a couple things he told them. In John 14, 16, he says, I will send you another helper. So the word he used there for another was a very specific Greek word that means another just like me. It's one of the key verses you look to in defining who the Holy Spirit is, and the Holy Spirit is fully God. And so that's one of the places you look. Jesus said, I'm, I'm leaving you, but I'm going to send you a helper who is just like me, fully God, just like me, and he is going to be in you. So that's John 14, 16. 
In John 16, 7, kind of linked with that, Jesus said, so it is to your advantage that I go. Because if I go, then I will send my spirit to you and he will be in you. Jesus is saying it's better for you to have my spirit in you than to have me with you. Okay? So there's another verse, uh, John 14, 12, where Jesus tells his followers, you will do greater works than I did. And I read that and I go, wait, wait a minute. I haven't walked on water yet. I haven't fed 5,000 people yet. Like, what, what are you talking about? And somewhere in all of this, closest I can come to is Jesus is saying, you know what? You've seen me do powerful things when I've taught, when I've done. But imagine this. Imagine every follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, let me make this clear. That the moment you begin to follow Jesus Christ, he is your savior. Your sins are forgiven. He gives you eternal life. What he does at that moment is he empowers you with and seals you with the Holy Spirit. You are given the Holy Spirit from that very moment. And so what I think Jesus is saying is like, you've seen me do powerful things. What if you watched my people scattered all over the world, filled with my spirit? Now you're talking. Like, watch what I'm going to do through my spirit in my people. Guys, that's that's motivating. So uh, John 16, 13, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will remind us of what Jesus taught. He's going to point us to Jesus. Um, there's, I couldn't not do this. Um, I, I'll step out of that John 14 to 16 box. Just give you a few of my other ones, favorite ones from the New Testament. Like in Romans 8, uh, verse 11, where Paul says that the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead now is at work in your life. Like if you ever need power, you ever need boldness, just to think about the power of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Second Timothy 1.7 says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-control. So, and, and there's others we could have talked about, especially even from John 14 to 16. But I could just summarize for you, the Holy Spirit is given to you to encourage you, to comfort you. He pours God's love into your heart. He helps you pray. He helps you grow, like he produces fruit and character in your life. He gives you courage. He gives you love for people. And, and it's his role to convict people of their sin. Like that's not your job. Like if there's somebody in your life and you're trying to share Jesus with them, it's not your, your job to convict them. That's his job. In fact, the Holy Spirit's going to convict us as well of sin in our lives. I like how Billy Graham reminds us to kind of stay in our lane, that when we are sharing the gospel, that, that it's God's role to judge, to convict of sin. It's our role to love people, right? So stay in your lane. Holy Spirit gives you the power uh, to love people. So, and so this is why Jesus said, wait, okay? He said, don't just go wing this. Don't go just try to do this on your own. But you're going to need all these things the Holy Spirit wants to pour into your life, Okay? So he is giving us a power to do this. So as daunting as it may sound, as it may be as exciting, like I can be part of God's plan to bless the world, but then as daunting as that sounds, Jesus is giving us the equipment to do that. He's given us the power of the Holy Spirit. So let me just maybe as a point of application here, what if this was a question that we asked ourselves fairly regularly? What if we asked ourselves, um, what has happened in my life recently like in the last week or two, that has no explanation other than that the Spirit of God is alive in my life. You know, like where, what moments have you seen that you've had courage where you normally don't, or where you've been generous where you're usually selfish, or 
you've been gracious with someone or kind with someone that you usually judge? Like those are, what evidences do you see uh, that you are being empowered by the Holy Spirit? And sometimes people might ask, and it gets a little confusing, maybe in some circles, like, uh, how, do you, how do you unleash the Holy Spirit to work in your life? Is there some special like prayer I'm supposed to say or little ritual I'm supposed to do? You guys, I would just simplify it like this. The Holy Spirit's role is to point to Jesus, right? He's like a spotlight, like shining on Jesus. And so when you see a spotlight, like the goal isn't like, wow, what a cool spotlight. Like, so, no, your, your goal, your, you know, the purpose of a spotlight is to take your eyes on what the spotlight is putting its the focus on, right? And so when you read about the Holy Spirit, his aim is never to distract you, to focus on him. His aim is to help you see Jesus more clearly. So you want to be in step with the Holy Spirit. You follow Jesus. Like you want to become more like Jesus. You want to obey Jesus. You want to be able to share Jesus. The Holy Spirit says, that's exactly what I'm here to do. That's what I love to do too. So let's go do that together. So the way you unleash the Holy Spirit simply speaking, to, to, to be at work in your life is to focus on Jesus, follow Jesus, obey Jesus, just love Jesus and want to share Jesus. The Holy Spirit's right there giving you the power to do it. So we saw the problem, now we see the power, and now here's the plan, you guys. We should read Acts 1-8 again, our, our, our third time to read it. It's such a key verse, okay? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then here's the plan. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, okay? And so just, you'll be a witness. A witness is simply somebody who just talks about what she has seen, what she has heard, what she knows, what she has experienced. Like what a, what a, what, what, it sounds kind of simple. Like just, just follow Jesus, let his spirit work in you, and now just, just talk about him. Just put him on display. Like just be a witness for all that God has done for you through Jesus. And so what is really cool is like, and I'm, we've talked about this in the teaching team, I think, and my prayer is in the next couple years, we do a sermon series on the whole book of Acts, because it is fascinating to see how the Holy Spirit fills these average and ordinary, kind of cowardly, uh, uneducated people, and expands the gospel through them. It's powerful. But some of the things you see the Holy Spirit do in their midst are things like this. Like, the Holy Spirit empowered them to love each other. Like, even when Jesus was with them, some of his followers would kind of fight against each other and kind of be jealous and try to say who's better than each other. But when the Holy Spirit empowered the early church, they loved each other. They sacrificed for each other. They served each other. And the outside world saw that happening. And they go, wow, where are you guys getting that? Can we step into that? Like, and even in some cases, we don't totally understand what you believe about a guy who died and rose again from the dead, but we like what he's doing in your life. Like, we like that you're loving each other like you are. And so they loved each other. You see that in Acts chapter 2. They boldly talked about Jesus, even when they were persecuted or with, under threat of death. Like, you couldn't shut them up. And so their courage was really compelling to the people around them. Where are you getting that courage and that boldness and that strength? And then even as persecution ramped up, you saw the early church, the early followers rejoice even in the midst of persecution. And so, uh, again, there was no explanation there because all these guys had done before Jesus' resurrection, before the Holy Spirit was, again, fight, divide, be afraid. Now they were just totally different people under the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's from that power they were able to give witness to the life and the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit empowered them to do what they couldn't do on their own. So remember that little checklist we went through a few minutes ago about if we are not like sharing the gospel, like why, what are the reasons? I just love how the power of the Holy Spirit just kind of knocks each one of those out. So like we talked about that we're, you know, we can be afraid or maybe afraid of what people will think of us. The Holy Spirit is uh, a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. So as we align with the Holy Spirit, you just watch how the boldness and the courage will grow, all right? So there's, there's that. We talked about, well, I might not know what to say. Remember we said that, but, but the Holy Spirit reminds us of what Jesus taught. Have you, maybe some of you that, that follow Jesus and have tried to like talk about Jesus, maybe there's times where you start out and you feel like, like you don't know what to say or I'm not sure this is making sense, but then you'll remember like a Bible verse, remember something Jesus said or, or a thought will come to your mind. And I mean, there's been moments where stuff's coming out of my mouth and go, man, that's good. Like, but I just know that wasn't me. Like, that's the Holy Spirit doing what he said he would do. Guys, we had, you know, the little prayer requests that are on the bottom of your bulletin things. Like this summer, somebody turned one in and said, um, hey, you know, somebody really close to me was dying and in the hospital, and I wanted to share Jesus with him, and I totally blew it. I did a horrible job, but he still trusted Jesus. Like, I was like, yes, you know, that's, that's, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to help us do, right? And so, and so help us remember, he'll know what to say. And even this part about not caring about other people, you know, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to pour God's love into your heart, like, and the more and more God's love is poured in your heart, I think the more gracious, the more merciful you're going to be with people around you. I had a great conversation this week with someone who we're on different sides of a conversation as far as um, some people in our world today. Is that, does God approve or not? And so, and there was a lot of maybe mischaracterizations coming at me. And I was like, you know what? No, 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 no. Like, I cannot judge anyone. Like, I, I cannot look down on anyone. You know, I used my, you've heard me say it before, like, I'm the worst sinner I know. Like, my job is not to condemn or look down, but my job is to love and to, and to serve them and to point people who Jesus is um, because that's what, you know, that's what Jesus did. In fact, the analogy that came up in the conversation was, who came to this planet that had the biggest gap between the way that person lived and the way everybody else was living. I mean, that was Jesus, right? Like anybody else for us, like we're just all there. Like we are all sinful people before a holy God. But Jesus came to this earth and guys, that gap between who Jesus is, what he believed, like his righteousness and everybody else was just massive gap. But how did Jesus live? Like, did he go around condemning? Did he go around proud and arrogant? But he served, he loved, he gave his life for sinners. It was just hopefully just revealing to this person, like, that's how I'm called to live. Like, I may not agree, but man, I am called to love and serve and not, not, not to judge. And in fact, in that conversation, it came up that I'm not so sure that person understands the gospel. And it led to just a, a great chance to talk about the gospel. So um, the Holy Spirit is there to help us care about the people around us. So Parkview, followers of Jesus, you have received power. The Holy Spirit has come to any of you who believe in Jesus Christ, and you can rely on him, and that as you follow Jesus, you will be his witnesses, okay? You will be his witnesses in Iowa City, in Johnson County, in Iowa, the Midwest, 
to the ends of the earth. Like you will be his witnesses through the power of his Holy Spirit. So, and we're seeing that. Like this is just a humble movement of God's people called Parkview Church. And this summer even, we're seeing people around us follow Jesus, begin to follow Jesus and, and people in broader regions. And even like throughout the world, we're seeing teams from here going and sharing the gospel or global workers who have been sent sharing the gospel. Like Acts 1-8 is happening in our midst. And so I want to wrap up with just a few practical next steps. Okay, so, so where do we start? What do we do in this whole thing about being uh, God's witnesses, like to be ambassadors of the gospel. Okay, let me, let me just say a couple things. First step, simplest step, is to pray. Start praying for people in your life that you don't know if they know Jesus or not. In fact, when you leave today, in the kiosks on the left, if you're not doing something like this, I give you a card that you can use and slip in your Bible or put it somewhere, um, but the card just is entitled Three Friends. Like, who are three people in your life that you see often, you care a lot about them, but you're not sure if they know Jesus or not? You're not judging, you're just not sure. And so write their names down. There's a place for you to do that. And then there's kind of a text box where there's some bullet points, like, well, what do I pray for them? And what I love about this is that it'll take you straight to three passages in the Bible that just tell you directly how to pray for people that don't know Jesus. And so guys, if this whole room, everybody live streaming in first hour, if all we did was commit to praying three times a week for three friends, I could just, just wonder what would happen. Just the power of prayer. And even as you're praying for them, just what would happen to you? Like each time you hang out with them, each time you look for opportunities to serve them, if you're really praying for them, it's going to change your heart as you interact with them, all right? So, so we can all do that. We can all pray. Um, and then I think the next thing to do is, as you're praying, is to look for opportunities, again, to serve them, to help them, to, to get to know them, to listen to their story. Again, how did Jesus live when he was on the planet with people just vastly different than him? Uh, his enemies called him a friend of sinners. And I think when he was called that, he smiled. He said, you got me. Like that's, that's why he came to this earth, that he gave his life for sinners, all right? And so, so not that you have to call your friends sinners, but I'm just saying, like, how did Jesus live among us? He served, he loved, he cared, he listened. And so would we just reflect that as we are hanging out with our three friends and more? Would we be known to them as their friends, good listeners, serving them, honoring them? And so that along with that then, that you're prepared to tell your story, like, just be prepared to give an answer, the Bible says, for the hope that you have within you. Like, think through, how would you just very easily and simply explain the benefits you experience week by week because you follow God? Like, just maybe a simple way to slip in, like how, how prayer has helped you, or how your church helps you, or how a community group has helped you, or how a verse from the Bible helped you. Like, you're not preaching at them. You're not talking down on them. You're just telling, like, telling your story. How is God helping you? Remember that Ed Stetzer statistic? That 78% of the people in our country are willing to listen to somebody just tell their story, right? I love that definition for about evangelism or proselytizing is that you're just one beggar telling another beggar where you found bread. So as you're telling them, you're not talking down to them, you're not acting all big and all that. You're just, you're just humbly pointing them to how great God has been to you. So be ready to share uh, your story. 
Um, and then here's one, not, don't miss this one. Um, God is going to use your suffering. God is going to use your suffering for the gospel to go forward. I, I prefer another strategy. Like the strategy I prefer is God just blesses me like crazy and just builds me some huge blessing platform. And then from that, I could go, yeah, God got me all of this. You know, like that would be my preference. God, if you want to really just use my life, like why don't you just do that? But I, as I look through the Bible and I look throughout history, I'm not so sure that's the way God operates or that, that I mean, there's times, yeah, for sure. And praise God for those with, you know, position that, that give God the glory and the credit. But I just think if you look throughout history, like God uses the suffering, the suffering of his people to get people's attention about the gospel. So in times of suffering, don't like, oh, like, woe's me and like pity party and all of this. Like, just keep your eyes up because Jesus modeled this for us. Like that as he suffered, man, the, the gospel went forward. And as his people, you look through the gospel, the book of Acts, you see uh, the same thing. So in fact, the word witness the Greek word for witness in Acts 1.8 is the word marturo. It's where we get the word martyr from. It, it was because in the first couple of centuries, it became synonymous to witness for Christ and then to become a martyr. Like the persecution was so intense. But those, those were the days and the periods too where the gospel went so far because people were amazed at the courage they saw. So God's going to use your suffering. A um, couple quick stories this summer, if you were around, we were praying for... Um, Dave and Colleen Lutzko and the delivery of Darius and um, when Darius um, had such a short life on this planet and we had a memorial service for him in the atrium and, and Dave and Colleen just boldly used that as a time uh, to point people to the gospel and people responded to Jesus um, that night and through their testimony that was the suffering real? Yes. Was the pain real? Yes. Were the tears real? Yes. But was the hope that Jesus gave them through that real? Absolutely. And that turned people's heads. In fact, there's a guy today that's the head of the National Institute of Health, of, of Health the NIH, Francis Collins, um, that early in his medical career, in med school, and early as a physician, he was a, just a staunch atheist. Like he did not believe the claims of Christianity. But one thing that started grabbing his attention was watching his patients suffer who also knew Jesus Christ. Like there was something different about them that he just couldn't, he couldn't figure out. And so finally, he, that experience of seeing person after person after person suffer well through Jesus Christ, look back at the evidence of did Jesus live his whole Christianity thing valid to the point where he himself gave his life to Jesus Christ, just watching God's people suffer well. So a couple things just to clarify. So, so far, next steps, a lot of those have been kind of one-on-one, but let me encourage you to this next level. Um, our prayer, like Thomas was up here earlier, kind of helping lead our community group ministry, our goal would be that every one of us is in community with other believers too, because that is so helpful for you to have people praying with you. Like, wouldn't it be beautiful if every one of us had friends in our lives that knew our three friends? Like, who are you really praying for and suffering? And they're praying with you and, and for you. And, and so on a community group level, we can do that. We can help encourage each other. Or even in times of suffering, when you see a group come around somebody suffering, man, that turns heads in hospitals and neighborhoods. So, so you've got that. Look at doing this in community as well. And you know, another rhythm you can do in your community group is maybe there's times where you meet, maybe not to study the Bible, but to bring your friends 
who don't know Jesus yet and let them meet some of your Christian community. Let them meet them in an informal setting. So we're doing that as groups. But a third way we're doing this as well is corporately, like as a whole church, there are some ways that we are fulfilling Acts 1-8. So one thing that comes to mind is our global outreach ministry, that as you leave today, there's a kiosk out there, and there's some very practical ways you can be involved in praying for our global workers that are around the country to even here in Iowa City befriending students from other countries that don't know Jesus, being involved in Friends of International Students. Like, so there's ways that you can, we can be involved corporately in this Acts 1-8 of impacting the world. Okay, so that's, that's an example. Uh, even locally, uh, ministries uh, to Hispanic population, teaching ESL. Um, on the east side, on our east campus, we have a faith academy there where many of you are tutors and mentors to our students there. So there are so many ways that we corporately uh, are fulfilling Acts 1-8. And it's beautiful to see that. In a couple weeks, you're going to hear a lot about a food drive that we're doing on September 22nd. And our goal is to just pack out the food pantries in this area, like ahead of kind of the holiday rush. If we could just pack those out. I heard somebody say this week, like before you start witnessing in your community, you got to ask, are you serving your community? And so I just look for ways that we corporately can do that, that, that Iowa City would say, it's a good thing Parkview is here because look what they do for our city. And so be, be ready for that on September 22nd to just bless our city. So I'll wrap up with this. We may not be aware of this because sometimes we get inundated maybe with bad news or, or scary news about, you know, uh, fewer people are going to church today or uh, more and more people are becoming atheists and all this. Actually, if you pull back and you look at the statistics of the last hundred years, the gospel is expanding in unprecedented ways uh, as it has in all of human history. We are alive during an amazing time. And so, like, for example, the country of Korea about 100 years ago, early 1900s, very few followers of Jesus Christ. Today, it's upwards to 40% of the population of Korea would identify Jesus as Savior to the point where Korea is now the second largest sending country in the world. So God, God can do amazing things. In fact, it's the point where I think when we're in heaven and we're mingling with Christians from all the different ages, and they'll say, oh, well, when were you alive? Like, when were you following Jesus? They say, well, you know, around 2019 or so. I mean, we have the perspective of how God moved and the church moved. They go like, wow, that, that was an amazing time. Like, what was that like? Like, look at how God was at work in the world. Like, did you see that? Or were you a part of that? Like, when, when, wouldn't you want to be, like, say, yeah, I did. And say, like, I, I didn't know that. Like, so, so, like, you've kind of been brought in. You've been informed. You've been invited now for Acts 1-8, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let's be a church that goes. Let's be a people uh, that go and just be a part of what God is calling us to do. So I want to just end with prayer, and I want you to pray. So I'm going to kind of give you three things to pray for as we wrap up. I think the first thing I'd love for you to pray for is just to thank God for being a God who sent Jesus to this earth to love people like us, to love sinners like us, to give his life for us so that we can know our creator, the almighty, all-powerful, loving creator is for us and with us. Could you thank God for being that kind of God? Just praise God.
I'd love for you to pray for this next. We, we talked about the Holy Spirit of God, that if you follow Jesus, lives in you. And I gave you just a few things that he does for you, comforts you, gives you strength, gives you love, gives you wisdom, words to say. Guys, when I went through that, um, w- did one of those just really connect with your heart this morning? Like, God, I, I need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. I need to re- be reminded of your love. God, I need the power of the Holy Spirit. Like, which, which of those qualities really struck you this morning? And could you just ask him, God, give me this. Give me comfort. Give me power. Give me love. And then let's wrap up like this. If you were to grab one of these cards, I was talking about the three friends card. If you were to grab that and go home this afternoon and write down three names, like what would be that first name on the list? Like who is it you just love? You love them so much. You're just not sure they really know who Jesus is. Like could you, could you pray uh, for that person right now? Jesus, we praise you for what you've done for us, your love, your mercy, your grace, your sacrifice for us. We're blown away. Thank you for this invitation to be your witnesses. What an amazing calling on our lives. And I thank you that you give us the power to do what you're calling us to do. God, may we be a people, may we be a church that just faithfully goes and that we are a people realizing how much you have blessed us so that we can be a people who bless the people around us. You are awesome. Thank you, Jesus. In your great name we pray, amen.